Michelle and Diane, wherever you've gone, if you need someone to role-play a teenage boy, I used to be quite good at that when I was earlier, so I'm happy to step in. Uh, if you've not met me before, my name is Jack, and I'm a youth leader here at the church. I run our Friday night Infusion Youth Group. Um, and if you are a regular here at King's Church, you'll be pleased to know we've had consistent numbers. Last week, last Friday, we had 28 again. So it's going well. It's really starting to take off, and we're having lots of fun there. Um, if you're a regular as well and you're poised, waiting to open your Bible at where am I going to look at this morning, I can see some of you ready and raring, note pens and ready to go. I'm going to be looking at a few different Bible passages, so it's pointless trying to flick open your Bible. What I'm going to do is they are going to come up on the screen behind me as they come up. Oh, we're high tech here this morning, and so it's easier for you guys to follow along. And then once I've finished speaking, we're going to see uh, four people get into our new Swedish hot tub. I'm only joking. It's actually our baptism pool. Uh, it's nice and warm though, isn't it, Alex? Good, good. Uh, and we're going to see five people get baptised. Okay, and as I was thinking about guys getting baptised this morning, I was reminded of uh, the first Narnia film, okay, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Just a quick show of hands, who here has seen the first Narnia film? That's a good number. If you haven't seen it, I feel your pain, okay? I'm always the last person to get around to seeing a film. And in fact, I think I'm just a bit excited because I've finally seen the Narnia film. It took me about seven years to get around to seeing it. I'm always that awkward person in conversation. Everyone's talking about the film and I'm going, not seen it. But I will try and explain it and paint the picture as best I can. In the first Narnia film, there is a girl called Lucy, and she steps into a wardrobe, okay? And as she steps through, she comes into this wintry wonderland for the first time, which is called Narnia. And as she's exploring this new land, she stumbles across this really weird half-human, half-goat hybrid called Mr. Tumnus, okay? And, and, and she's startled by this, and he's startled by her, and they start sort of running around scared, a bit skittish, and don't know what they're doing, and they're hiding behind a tree. But eventually they get more used to each other, and Lucy, being the really polite girl that she is, she sticks out her hand to greet Mr. Tumnus, who responds by just staring blankly at her hand, with confusion across his face. Lucy then goes, you shake it. Mr. Tumnus says, why? She says, I don't know. <laughs> she was confused in that moment. She was really troubled, but she did not know the rhyme or reason for a handshake. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, it's because a lot of Christians can be exactly the same when it comes to baptism. We don't know the meaning or purpose of baptism. It's just something we do. Well... Maybe you're here this morning and you're a friend or a family member here to support one of the people getting into that tank, into that tank, tank. <laughs> and you're thinking, you're thinking, I'm happy to support them, but why on earth would anybody with their own free will get in front of all these people, get into a big wooden box full of water, get absolutely soaking wet, get out, dry themselves off and go home? It seems bizarre. Why would someone do that? Well, hopefully we're going to get to the bottom of that very question this morning because we're going to see that it's actually one of three things that people do in response to Jesus Christ. 
And those three things are repentance, belief, and baptism. And we're going to see all of those three things. And the first Bible passage we're going to look at this morning is Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, which Jesus is there and he's talking uh, to his uh, guys who've been following him for a few years. And he says to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go to uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus, he's telling these guys who've been following him for the last few years and they've seen him die, they've seen him come to life, they've seen amazing things that he's done. And Jesus says to them, look boys, what you need to do is you need to go out into all the towns, all the cities, all the different countries around. When you meet with people, when you hang out with people, when you talk to people, you want to tell them about me. You want to tell them about what I've done for people. And then once you've done that and they respond to that, you want to baptize them, get them soaking wet in water and teach them to obey everything I've said. And so the disciples, they go out and they do what Jesus asks. They go out from city to city to town to town and to all the countries in the surrounding area and they start telling people about the message of Jesus. And people hear this about Jesus and they go, oh, that's amazing. What do we do? And so we're going to look at two uh, two responses that the disciples tell people in the book of Acts and about what they are to do when they hear about this news of Jesus. And the first one is Acts 2, verses 36 to 39. And here's been Peter, one of Jesus' followers, and he's been uh, in Jerusalem, and he gets up, and he talks to all these people, and he tells them about Jesus, and he finishes by saying, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, so all the people around hear this, they were cut to the heart. They believed what Peter said and they were upset by it. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord God will call. Repent, get baptized. And we see in Acts 8, verse 12, a guy called Philip, he's set up shop in a town called Samaria in the north of Israel. And he's, telling, he's been telling people about Jesus. And this is what the Bible says. It says, when they believed Philip, he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. So we've seen that there's belief, ba- repentance, and baptism And I could show you time and time again in the Bible, there's always sort of these three things combined. Repentance, belief, and baptism. And so that we don't end up like Lucy with no rhyme or reason, no meaning or understanding behind these three things, we're going to look at them all and see why do Christians do this. So the first one, repentance. What does repentance mean? What's it all about? Really simply, it's changing the direction of your life. Okay, So everyone starts out by walking in one particular direction. Okay, And that is actually they're living their life for something else other than God. That's the direction they're going. 
Often it's living life for yourself. I've decided I want to live for this. That's what makes me happy. That's what gives you satisfaction. So I'm going to live my life and I'm going in this direction. Okay? And that's living your life for yourself, basically. So it's where we all start. It's where I started. So I was walking along and I was going, isn't Jack great? Isn't Jack wonderful? Insert your own name there. You're not all worshipping me. But isn't Jack great? Isn't Jack wonderful? Isn't Jack glorious? Isn't Jack worth living your whole life for? And then I, oh no. Suddenly it strikes me. Actually, Jack's pretty rubbish, to be honest. I've been struck with actually how awesome Jesus is. And so I turn around. I change the direction of my life. And I start going in the other direction, seeing how great Jesus is and how wonderful he is, how brilliant he is. And so uh, I suddenly realized that actually, Jack, he's selfish. But Jesus, he's selfless because he gave up his life for others. Jack, he's hopeless. But Jesus, he's the giver of hope. Jack, he's faithless. Jesus, He's faithful to the end. That's repentance. You were going this way, and you suddenly you turn around. And you start heading in the opposite direction. Instead of looking, living life for yourself, you've put Jesus as number one, and you're going after him. You change direction. Now, I had to repent with Andy Winsbury a little while ago. Two years ago, me and Andy, we were driving up to Norfolk to a youth event called New Day. And we, as we were driving up, we were, we were talking, we were having fun, we were listening to music. We were, we were having sort of a lad's road trip. It was great. We were going up a day before everyone else. We were going to set up camp. We were going to have fun. It was going to be awesome. And we were driving up and the, and the banter was going. We were chatting. We were having fun. It was a right laugh. But we shot straight past our exit on the motorway and we were heading off in completely the wrong direction and it suddenly dawned on us so what we had to do is we had to get off at the next exit as soon as we possibly could and we had to repent we had to go round the roundabout and back down in the other direction so we were now heading in the right direction and as we were coming back down the other way, the, the banter started going again. We started chatting. We started talking about what muppets we were. You couldn't believe we missed the junction. And guess what happened? We did it again. <laughs> so what we did is we had to repent once again. We came off the roundabout. We stopped. We got ourselves a McDonald's. You know, um, turned round, got back on the motorway, and we repented. We were now going the right way, and eventually we came off at the correct junction, headed off in the right direction, before we ended up somewhere we did not want to be. So repentance is where you change direction. It's where you're captivated by Jesus and who he is and what he's done. You realize that he is amazing. He is powerful. He is loving. You realize that he rescues people who are in a complete mess. You might be thinking, and even though you may have hated him for your entire life, he's still there and he's still willing to forgive you. But you also realize that if I continue heading down this wrong road, this wrong direction of worshiping myself, putting myself as number one, you realize that's going to end up in a destination I don't want to go. Where Quite rightly, I'm going to end up facing the judgment of God for all of my sins. For the things that I've done 
wrong in thought, in word, and what I've actually done. And when you realize that, you're going to face that judgment. You slam on the brakes and you do a dramatic U-turn so that you can head in the opposite direction, worshipping Jesus. And you realize that the destination of this new direction in following Jesus leads you to a destination where you have a relationship with God himself, which brings you true joy and life to the full, which you could never have going the wrong way. And it works out in all kinds of different ways. Countless times in the Bible we read of people who meet Jesus and they just change. Greedy people become generous people. Faithless people, unfaithful people become faithful. Cheat, cheats, they become honest. People completely change when they meet with Jesus because they realize he's better. He is better. So they slam on their brakes, they do a dramatic U-turn and they head in the opposite direction, worshipping Jesus. That's repentance. Let me ask you, have you done that? Have you changed the direction of your life, putting Jesus as number one? Have you seen those kind of results in your life from meeting him? Because that's repentance. So the second thing is belief. If repentance is a change of direction, what's belief? Okay? Well, simply it means trusting God. It means, it means that believing that Jesus came, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead three days later, and that he's alive. But it's not just believing that in your head, like memorizing a science formula or something. It's not just memorizing that and just saying, yes, I know, Jesus came, he lived on the earth, he died, he rose again for my sins, and he is alive now. It's not just simply believing that. It's not just knowing some facts, but it's putting your trust in the facts of the, in the person you know those facts about. Okay, it's putting your trust in that. It's, it's both believe some facts, but trust the person. Okay, it's saying, I believe certain things about Jesus, but I will also trust him. I will trust him that his way is better than my way. It's saying, Jesus, I trust you. I may not completely understand everything. I may not um, fully be able to see how it's going to work out, but I trust you. And I'm going to do things your way instead of mine. Now, I've got an illustration that is going to hopefully demonstrate exactly how this happens. And Aidan is going to help me. Give Aidan a round of applause, people. I've prepped, him, I've prepped Aidan slightly, but he doesn't entirely know what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, you're feeling all right, Aidan. Now, Aidan... He knows some facts about me. He knows that I'm a nice guy, that I don't want to hurt him, that I don't want to humiliate him much in front of all these people. Okay? So what Aidan's now going to do is he's going to put his trust in me. Biblical sense of belief, okay? or the word faith is often used in the Bible. So what Aidan's going to do is he's going to face this way. He's going to stand there. And he is going to keep his eyes shut until I tell him to open them again. Now, Aidan, you, you believe those facts, don't you? You believe I'm a nice guy. You believe I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah. So what Aidan... Sound a bit more confident, mate. Okay. 
Okay, keep your eyes shut. Now, what Aidan's going to do, he's, he's now going to take a step of faith. He's going to put action into those facts that he believes about me. And he's going to fall back because he trusts me and I'm going to catch him. Okay? You ready, Aidan? This is only going to be a small fall. Okay? Ready? Fall back. And I've caught him. Look, that's it. That's it. Okay, Aidan, that wasn't very much faith, let's be honest. It was only about that far. So um, what you're going to do is you're going to fall further this time, but I'm going to catch you, okay? Okay, you ready? Three, two, one, go. There we go. See? Man of faith. Now, now Aidan, you're going to do it a third time, but this time, instead of me standing behind you, keep your eyes shut, Aidan. Instead of me standing behind you, it's going to sound like I'm actually several feet in front of you. And so, but because you still know that I'm a nice guy, that I don't want to hurt you, and you believe that I'm not going to humiliate you in front of all these people, yeah? You believe that, don't you, Aidan? Go on, give me a big yes. Yes, Yes, good. (laughs) Okay. You're still going to trust me and fall backwards. Okay, backwards, not forwards, Aiden. Okay, do you trust me? Okay. Three, two, one. Oh, that, oh, no, come on, do it again, do it again. That wasn't, that wasn't probably, oh, never mind. Oh. Almost worked, it almost worked. All right, sit down, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I knew, I knew it was going to fall apart at the end. I knew it. I, I almost scrapped it, but it was worth it. Okay. Now, that's real belief. That's real faith, okay? It's when you take a step of action in what you know about someone and you, let, you trust them to, to catch you in that situation. Even if you can't see how it's going to work out exactly. Even if you can't piece it all together and see what's going to happen. You trust that... The, I want good for Aiden, so he's going to fall all the way back and not take a step last minute. <laughs> it's all right, I forgive you, Aiden. Um, okay, so it's when you trust God, you trust in Jesus, you trust that his way is better than your way. And even if I can't quite piece it all together in how it's going to work out, I know that he loves me. I know that he wants the best for me because he went to the cross and he died for me in my place so that I can stand free and forgiven. If he's willing to do that, then surely I can trust him and so I can step out and put action in place for that. That is belief. That is trust. That's faith in the biblical sense. So do you have that kind of belief? Have you had that kind of trust in Jesus in your life? Have you had those moments where you go, I don't know, I know what God's asking me to do, but I don't know how this is going to work out, what's going to happen, but I know he loves me, he wants the best for me, that he wants to do good to me, so I'm going to do it anyway. Have you had those kind of moments? So that's repentance, and that's belief or faith. So finally, we get on to the question of baptism, of the wooden box over there. What is baptism? Well, it's where someone gets into that wooden box of water, doesn't have to be that specific box, just to let you know. A box of water, somewhere with water, okay? And they get in, and there's, the way we do it is there's two of us that get in with them. 
We grab hold of them, we shove them under the water, and then we pull them up. They get absolutely soaking wet, get out, move on to the next person. We dunk them. That's baptism. You just get absolutely soaking wet. You get pushed under the water and you get pulled up. Pulled up. And Christians do this because Jesus asked, we saw the verse in Matthew chapter 28, he says, go out, baptize people. But why does Jesus ask that? Well, it's because it's a symbol of what has happened to you when you become a Christian. It's a symbol of what has already taken place. Think of it like a gold medal winner, okay? Think of it like Hussein Bolt, okay? Right? He's does his, he does his thing like that, and he's ridiculously fast runner, and he sprints and he runs, and he wins the race, so they give him a gold medal, which is a symbol of what he's already done. He is the fastest person, so he gets a gold medal. He's not the fastest person because he gets a gold medal. Okay? In fact, if you gave him all the gold medals beforehand, it'd probably slow him down and give the other runners a bit more of a chance, wouldn't it? Does that make sense? So people getting baptised this morning in that water, in that tank there, this doesn't make them Christians. They already are. Okay? There's nothing special about the water. We filled it up from a tap. There's nothing special about the box. It's a bit of wood with a pool liner in it. There's nothing special about it. It doesn't make them a Christian. But them getting baptised is a response to their faith and repentance in their life as they follow Jesus. And they're doing it out of obedience to him. And actually it's got really rich symbols, that it's really rich pictures that it displays about what has already taken place in their lives. It's like them uh, getting the medal for winning the race, in a sense. It's, 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 it's a symbol of what they've already done to, as they've become a Christian and they're following Jesus. And the first is death and resurrection. Okay? Romans 6, verses 3 to 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We therefore were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So what's going on there? What's with that passage? It sounds a bit weird. It sounds a bit morbid at first, doesn't it, with all the death and dying? Well, it's like this. When we start out our lives and we we do things wrong, we sin, we do all kinds of things bad, Sin ends up having a, it has a rule over us. Sin rules over us, the Bible says. And, and the deal is that sin rules over you till the day you die. But when we come to Jesus, and when we put our belief in him, like we said before, when we change the direction of our lives in repentance to follow him, the Bible says you're joined with him. And spiritually, you die. So sin no longer has that claim over you. Sin no longer has that rule over you. You're free from sin. And then actually, you're raised up with Jesus. You've been risen up to a new life where you're no longer under sin, but you are following Jesus and able to do the right thing in pleasing God. That's what's being shown in baptism. And they go under the water. That's a symbol of them dying to their old life, dying to sin. And when they come back up, it's them now be, a symbol of them being in Christ, 
with a new life, joined with his resurrection from the dead. So baptism is a symbol of that. And the second symbol that's, that's being shown, which I'm going to end with talking about, is the symbol of being washed. Acts 22, verse 16, is a guy called Paul, and um, he's explaining about how he became a Christian, and he tells us that this guy called Ananias, after Paul has uh, changed the direction of his life, he's following what Jesus has told him to do, and finding this guy Ananias, he's put his uh, trust in Jesus, and he's following him, and Ananias says, then, this is what you're to do next. He says, rise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Because when we sin, the Bible says it's like you get stains that just won't wash away. You know, you're just dirty and rotten. It's like every time you sin, it's like you've got another splat, another stain on your, you know, we were... We have a nice white t-shirt, I've done something wrong, oh, it's splattered on me. I've got a stain and there's nothing I can do to wash that out. I've done another thing, oh, there's another stain. There's nothing I can do to wash that out. It's just, it's immovable spots, immovable stains all over you. But when you come to Jesus, it's like you've been washed completely clean by what Jesus has done. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he died. Because sin was such a stain that could not be removed in any sense of anything else. But Jesus died. And the Bible uses this weird term of being washed in his blood. And you're like, oh, that sounds disgusting. What's that about? But he's saying because of his death, because of what he did when he went to the cross and he died in your place. That's what you deserved for your sin. But Jesus took it. So that if you trust in him, if you believe in him, you can be washed completely clean. Maybe you're here this morning and you have done some, some things wrong and you're just you're sitting there and you're thinking, I feel dirty. I feel stained. I feel bad. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how you feel if you come to Jesus because he can wash you completely clean so that you are no longer stained by sin but you are free, you are clean and you're able to live a life in a relationship with God himself. So what we're going to do now is we're going to see some people get baptised. We're going to see some people have that symbol of being dying to sin and being resurrected with Jesus, we're having them see them have that symbol of being washed completely clean because they've put their belief in Jesus and they've repented of their old way and they're now following him. So I'm going to hand you over to Rich, who's going to introduce the guys who are going to get baptised this morning.